Well, as I mentioned before, we're in the second, seat, or second week of Advent, and uh, I've been a part of a lot of Advent services. I don't know, man. This is pretty awesome. <laughs> um, and that's the way it should be. Our hearts are in different places. You know, as human beings, we go through a range of emotions. I'm an emotional person. Actually, every person's emotional, right? So we go through a range of emotions in life. So sometimes... You might feel high, sometimes you might feel low, sometimes you feel in the middle. The thing is, God meets us wherever we're at. He does. And you can trust in that. And uh, I would just say this, like, because as I, as I sit here on Sunday morning, or I should say as I stand, as I sing, I pray with you guys, there's different times and different things for me that are ways to express. I've appreciated this from Pastor Stephen over the years that expression or, or impression without expression leads to depression. And um, I'm one of those people that really, depression speaks. I mean, I don't think we should try to get rid of it. But when you feel depressed, like that's something that we want to spend time in. You want to understand, like, why am I depressed? I think it's because our eyes, you know, my eyes get on the wrong things. And so uh, I get off. But what he said, what he continues to, and he, I don't know if he came up with that or repeated, but it doesn't matter. It's powerful. That impression without expression leads to depression. Helps us to remember, like, we were made to express praise to God. All creation is made to express praise to God. And what's wild, this generation said to be one of the most depressed generations, yet I just mentioned, I think it's one of the most worshiping generations. Yet, what are they worshiping? What are we worshiping that leads to such depression? I'm gonna tell you this, that kind of worship, the worship that's on Jesus Christ as my deliverer, my God, that does not depress. That doesn't depress. That brings joy. That brings rejoicing. And again, that's expressed in different ways. So don't feel like you're here this morning. You got to lift your hands and you got to do like what some of us in the front row I know we're doing. You ain't got to be there. You be where God's got you and meet him there and be authentic to what God's doing in your life. And I can tell you that he will lead you to those moments. He will lead you to those moments where you are expressing a worship and praise to him that is like no other in this earth because he is the king of kings. He is Jesus, majesty. That's powerful stuff. I'll tell you this, though. We got a problem. And here's the problem. Even in the church, is sometimes we hear those words and it puts a cringe in us. Because we don't know Jesus the way that we're supposed to know Jesus through Scripture, through his word. We don't know him as full of truth and grace. We know him as something other. And sometimes that's what leads to our problems and depression. is because we have this religious view Instead of a, word, a, a view that's shaped in the word of God. And so even as I read that prophecy earlier and I said, don't get lost in those words of Isaiah, which were written 400 years before Jesus comes on the scene, right? Those were the things that were being said about the Messiah to come. Don't get lost in the words. I'm saying that because sometimes we can hear those things and we have our own filter that we're putting on those things of what we've been told and how these things will look. And I want to tell you, be careful. To go off of what people have told you. Even be careful what I tell you today. It should all be filtered to, through the full counsel of God's word. It should all be filtered through the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. That's the perfect triune spirit of God. That is the perfect uh, um, that's the announcement of God. So you need to understand that there's fallibility anytime you hear something from human beings. There's, there's uh, mistakes that are made. And boy, I can tell you this, coming up here to talk about Mary today, I was a little nervous. I'm excited now, but I'm going to tell you I was a little nervous. And my wife heard me say that this morning because there's so much controversy sometimes around the figure of Mary. But I want to tell you why I was really ner more nervous. Because... I can be a very direct person. I think the last time I was up here, I talked about, like, you know, uh, maybe making some other lady cry or something, right? So um, I can be a very direct person. Hopefully I haven't made too many of you cry. And if I have, let's, you know, let's have a cup of coffee. and <laughs> Maybe, maybe I don't need the coffee, and, uh, but we'll just sit down together and talk. And you can hear my heart and I want to hear yours. My wife and I were having a conversation the other day and I, I was getting to a level 11 on a scale of 10 and we're in a restaurant immediately just at the beginning of it. And the waitress, by God's grace, comes up and gets our food. Maybe I was hangry. I don't know. And she brings the food. And at that moment, it's like, okay, we'll say grace. And, and my wife heard me say, God, help us to hear each other's heart. And it was like God brought me back down to where it needed to be. 
And like, that's just an amazing thing. I, I could, when I cry, when I sit here and think about all the good that God's done in my life, it's things like that. That's the grace of God. So as I talk about Mary today, I was a little nervous. I'm going to tell you why. Because it's not a good thing to talk about your, your best friend's mom. Especially if you say something wrong. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Because you got to really make sure you say the right things, right? When it's your best friend's mom. And guys, it gets even more nerve-wracking because we talk about fear of the Lord and reverence of the Lord. When you start talking about royalty, you start talking about Jesus' mom, you start talking about the king's mom, that's tough. Like, I'm, I, I started to really kind of cower at that. Like, oh, shoot, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And so please extend grace to me. God's extended his grace and, like, welcome me into this because I couldn't have come out of this text through the week of preparation and being able to be in this text with more uh, of a picture of honor for who Mary is and what God did through her. And it, it, would be, it would be remiss if my honor turned to worship of Mary other than the one that God, that may, is worthy of worship, right? God working through Mary. And I think that was the thing that got me. It was like, in no way today do I want, I want to only lift up and honor Jesus' mom. And I want to point to you that God works through her in honorable, glorious ways, so much grace, that it, it was spoken to me this week in my spirit that God does that through us in the church. He continues to do this work and humble Mary in the beginning of the story. Younger, I mean, likely much younger than most, you know, most moms would be in this day and age. And uh, my mom was 20 years old when she had my oldest sister. And I was texting her this morning just to make sure that was right. And, um, yeah, and she was talking about 20 years old, soon turned 21. Mary's much younger than that. And that is just really mind-blowing as we enter into this text. Like, you've really got a childlike faith that's going to be expressed in this. And that's powerful. It's really powerful how God chooses her to use her. The ordinary things of this world he uses and makes them honorable. Um, guys, I want you to know, Mary keys into those words we read in Isaiah earlier. She keyed into that in this, what we're going to read now in Luke. When she, when she announces praise to God, she keyed into how he picks up those who have been struggling, those who have been broken, those who have been hurting. And, he, and, he re, and she picks up on that. I think she's one of them. I think she's experienced some things in her life that have led her to see the value of God turning things back right. So we're going to see that this morning. But with me, guys, take these things in stride and recognize that even when we talk about someone as honorable as Mary, Jesus' mom, that all of it points to the one who's most worthy, which Mary herself was a follower of Jesus to the end. As she was at that cross, do you think about this? I was talking about how young she is. You want to feel old, most of us in this room? You're older than Mary when she sat at the feet of Jesus when he was on the cross. You're older than her because you're such a young mom. I know I'm older than her. And most of you are. And I want you to know that's kind of humbling to think that she sat at the feet of Jesus as he went to the cross for her sins. That's powerful. A mom who stayed there and watched her son die on the cross. And guys, that didn't shake Mary's faith. Mary was a follower of her son, Jesus, knowing that he was the son of the most high. And that's what we're going to read about today. So she recognized that Jesus was her only ransom, her only deliverance from the captivity of sin and the curse of sin and this, the, the, the curse of death. She knew that Jesus was the only hope for the world and for herself. And we'll see that in this passage today. But Mary's a great example to you and me of what it looks like to follow Jesus. It wasn't easy for Mary. It's not easy for us. And let's look at that this morning. So I'm going to invite you to read with me in Luke chapter 1, verses 36 through 38. And... Um, we're also going to pick up after that in verses 46 through 56. All righty, so here we go. The word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And I want to stop there for a moment and just call us out to recognize how great that is. That he will reign over the house of David. That will be his throne. That's the people of Israel. That's God's chosen people. Romans tells us that we're engrafted in Christ Jesus, into that family, into that covenant. And because of that, this is the next part that's so great about that. It says that his reign will be forever, that there will be no end. You can't conceptualize this. You won't be able to grasp this this morning. I can tell you I've been with it all week, and you will not be able to understand an eternity or an eternal throne and from a human-limited perspective. But you can taste it. You can taste it through Jesus Christ. You can experience a taste of eternity and what's to come through what you know about Jesus and all of the things that he says about his reign forevermore, to which there is no end. That's great. That is amazing. Great doesn't even get to the bottom of it, guys. And I want you to catch that this morning because that is a powerful start to a worship to think about that kind of God who's going to work through that kind of Savior, that kind of Messiah. And I want you to see Mary's next question, next statement. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Guys, as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, well, Mary's like me and you. The angels just announced how miraculous God is. And what's Mary's next question? Well, how could that happen? I'm not even pregnant. You like that? I'm like that. God says, I want you to do this. I want you to go here. I want you to say this. I want you to do it. Say it to this person. Well, why me? I'm not. And you start to think those things because we forget on the front end of that it was God is great. God has already done so many miracles. When he speaks, do it. You can trust it. You can know that he's going to fulfill anything that he calls us to. He's going to bring it to fulfillment. He's going to bring about to fruition what his will is and what he wants. And it's an amazing thing to watch God do that. I'm going to get to this, but just know that God has already gifted you with something miraculous. If you're in Christ Jesus and you've trusted him, that you've called upon the name of the Lord and you've experienced that salvation in your life and you're experiencing that salvation in your life and you're looking forward to that salvation in your life, guess what he's done in your life? He sealed you with the Holy Spirit. And you have a gift that blows away any gift that any of us will get this Christmas. Kind of interesting, as I asked the youth of our church, like, what they're looking for for Christmas. I did it in our community this week with some things that were going on. I asked some youth, what are you looking for? Is there anything you're asking for for Christmas? I'm not getting a lot of answers. I think everybody already has everything they need, everything they want. Um, we're pretty spoiled. Guess what? As Christians, we're spoiled. You got the Holy Spirit. And you're spoiled in the best way possible. I'm spoiled in the best way possible. And how many times am I not tapping into that gift? How many times are you missing out on that gift because you forgot what the most important thing was? That the Spirit of God dwells in you. That he came and Jesus came and dwelt with us in the flesh. And then he said, when I leave, I'll send my spirit. And he knew it would be even greater dwelling because it would be in our hearts. Nobody can touch that. The devil can't touch that. He can shut down my testimony, but he can't take the spirit away from me. And that's sealed for salvation into eternity. Their question came up this week with one of my friends here was about salvation and how we struggle with somebody who knows Jesus here for a while. And then we see them struggle and they go off the path, right? And they get to where they're living a destructive lifestyle. Not even giving a testimony about Jesus. And is that person saved? They did it for 20 years the right way. And now they're doing it the wrong way. Is that person saved? And I just said... We got to know how great Jesus is as a savior. We don't look at the person's work and performance and we need to know that sin is serious in this world and it will drag you into the swamp. It'll drag you into the depths of the pit if you turn to anything other than Jesus. That goes for me today too, guys. If I'm not looking at Jesus, where am I going? And so I, I want to give this to my kids. I want to give this to my family, my spiritual family. I want you to know this, that when I take my eyes off of Jesus at any point in this life, 50 years old, many more to come, Lord willing, 
If I take my eyes off of Jesus at any point in this life, I am resisting the grace of God. And there is a real chance that my personality, I'm going to the pits of destruction. I want you to know that has nothing to do with Jesus' ability to save. That had everything to do with my stubborn will to resist God's grace. And we see that in the world all the time. And I want to encourage you that you are just as desperate now for Jesus as you were the moment you believed. You are desperate, just as desperate for Jesus now or in, in, the, in the future as you are the day that you enter into glory. We are desperate every moment of our life. And here's, here's the good news because everybody's like, oh, shoot, even the pastor. <laughs> even the pastor is saying he's not sure. I didn't say I wasn't sure of my eternal security. What I said is I'm not bigger than sin. But my God is. My Savior is. And you can see where I'm going. If I take my eyes off of him, I'm just a little feather out here. But if my eyes and focus is on Jesus, I stand strong on a firm foundation that cannot be shaken. And here's what I want to say. No matter what happens in this life, don't let some other Christian who took their eyes off of Jesus and they start walking in sin. Don't let that person shake your faith. If anything, let it turn you closer to Jesus. Because here's the thing I want to say at the end of the day, not even at the end of the day, at the end of that life, when they meet their Savior in glory, he will complete that salvation that he began in them. We are too short-sighted to think that this life, these things are what matters most. They do matter greatly. And we see that with Mary's story. And I'm getting back to this. But I want you to know what matters most is your eternal salvation. And God has sealed that in Jesus Christ for those who believe. There's no shaking that. Devil won't get that. Ain't nobody here going to take that from me. And they can't take it from you either. But you can be discouraged. You can be moved away from faith, walking in faith. And you will miss out on this life, the abundant life that God has created for us in Christ Jesus, that we are called to live in as Christians. Eddie's prayer was beautiful this morning. One of the things he said was that we would be the light to the world. It's not just about you and your testimony. It's about what the world is seeing in the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. This building has nothing to do with that other than it's an assembly place. You are the body of Christ. And you need to know that God is working through you. And how he works through you is doing miraculous things in the world. Some of you right now, you got family, friends around you that have gathered around you. And that is a testimony for God. That is a powerful thing. Don't let the enemy tell you because you walk out of here in the next moment and you go to a level 11 when you should be right at a, a three. In the next minute, don't let the enemy tell you, you're disqualified, you're not a Christian, you're a hypocrite. Just turn to Jesus. Ask God to give you grace, to give you wisdom, to give you insight, to work. Ask for a fresh anointing of his Holy Spirit. He will not leave you forsaken. He will bless you in that minute. And you know what you'll be doing? You'll be giving more testimony about how your mighty Savior works. Let him show off. Let him show off in your life. Yes, sir. Let's keep going. We got more to read here. Mary says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Verse 34. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. I might miss this, but I want to stop there for a moment because I want you to see in verse 35 what he talks about, this overshadowing. It's the same type of overshadowing that took place. The tabernacle. That was in, uh, as the Israelites journeyed out of Egypt, the tabernacle that Moses would meet God in, the glory of God that would dwell over the tabernacle when his presence filled that tabernacle, this is that same word that's used. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, that's too Old Testament, it doesn't touch me today. Man, if you, you just got to get to know the Old Testament because everything about it, like we read in Isaiah, is pointing to Jesus and what this is happening right here, even with Mary, when Jesus is... He goes through the transfiguration. Remember that story? When Jesus goes through the transfiguration and Moses and Elijah and he's walking amongst them. This is New Testament. And as he's doing that, same word, same term. The overshadowing glory of God in that moment. That's what's over them is the same thing that's going to happen to Mary when the Lord God comes to her to Produce this child in her, which is an amazing thing in and of itself. And, no, he, and God wants to make it clear, verse 35, therefore, what's it there for? 
the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. Jesus's holiness comes from the fact that he was born of God, the father. Through his spirit, he was conceived. It's a miracle that no scientist in here can explain that I myself wouldn't even try to explain. We take it by faith, but we also recognize how can we, and we'll go into every other miracle of scripture. How can I explain the miracles of God? I can't even explain how I'm standing on this earth and not floating away because of gravity. Some of you can probably. Somebody in here is a scientist. So I know people out there are scientists and it's, you got to remember there's things that God wants to show you. Yep. Even your science won't explain this one. So here you got Mary, and I want you to see that. I, I, this is a huge honor, but it's also a huge miracle that the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. God produces this child in Mary. Verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And I stopped several times between the divine messenger's announcement, Gabriel, but we didn't even start there, that this is an angelic host. This is a messenger from God sent to Mary to announce all these things. And these are the things that that angel says. Pretty powerful stuff. If we want to get into miracles, there's a lot of miracles going on here. Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, this is a miracle. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. All honor to Mary for that heart in that moment to say, let it be according to your word. Praise and glory be to God, the Father, that he has produced this kind of faith in his child, Mary. It's an amazing thing to see. And I know these terms can get in the way and we're confused by all these things. But just see that God is working and he's bringing these things about in Mary's life. And... Uh, She's willing and available to let these things happen to her. And guys, it would be so much for a, a young person to bear alone. It'd be so much to go through on her own. God doesn't leave her alone. We'll continue on. As, as we go into the next passage, there's, there's some verses in between that talk about how Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, her relative. And then we're going to read her declaration after she's there with her. It's verses 46 through 56. And Mary said this. Before I even read it. Everything we just read about Mary, she found peace with God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Nothing was easy for what Mary just heard from this angel. Think about it, guys. She's in an arranged marriage, and she's going to be pregnant, but it's not by the guy she's arranged to be married to. That's a problem. Now, we know from other passages that God's going to go make sure that her husband-to-be knows exactly what's going on. And it's going to take an angel to explain this. And God don't leave her hanging. He sends that angel and makes sure that Joseph is aware of the situation that's going on. And by God's grace, these two walk together until Jesus is born. We see that. Amazing, amazing grace in that. But the other part of that is that Mary knows this isn't going to be easy, but she doesn't, she doesn't really, we don't know everything she thinks we just know it's not going to be easy. But what we do see is that her last statement, verse 38, is a position of I'm available, I'm willing. Lord, let it be according to your word. That is amazing faith. That is where I want to be. Guys, I can't get there on my own. I want to be real honest. You can't get there on your own. You need the spirit of God to lead you to that kind of trust and faith and obedience and cooperation with his Holy Spirit. Because that's where she's at. She's submitted to what God wants. It's his will, not her will. She's in full agreement with his plan and purpose. And there's the other grace in this. She now sees that she's going to be able to like, have this fellowship with her relative uh, Elizabeth. And, gosh, I can't even imagine being pregnant. I don't want to get off on a tangent, but that just makes me sad and sick and miserable. And uh, I don't even like being full of turkey. And I can tell you, I just want to go be by myself somewhere and die. But I'll tell you this about Mary... She's going to do this. She's agreed. It's an amazing thing. Moms are an amazing thing. Wow. And Mary, the mom of Jesus, is an amazing thing. She's an amazing person. And what God's doing through her, and, and here's what I want you to see. 
Not only is she going to do this, God's going to put somebody next to her. And this was brought up in the men's Bible study on Tuesday morning. What fitting place for this pastor to hear someone say, hey, you want to know what's grace? That God put other people around Mary who were going through some of the same things. Another pregnant woman. That's pretty powerful. Not only just another pregnant woman, it's a family member. And it's not just a normal pregnancy either, is it? So she's experienced the miraculous. Now these two can talk about how God works miraculous. Guys, that happens here. A good sermon teller, a good preacher would tell you these things that happen, and then he would connect it later in the passage. I can't. I'll get to here too long, and I'll miss something. So just see that connecting point right there. He does the same thing with us today. He does like he did with Mary and Elizabeth. He puts people around us to encourage our faith, to help us grow, to experience the miraculous wonders of God in our life as we walk in the Spirit and walk in faith. That's what family does. That's what God's family does around us. Tuesday morning men's Bible study has been that over the years of my life here at the church. It's been a blessing for me. And Tuesday morning, that was a reminder. This is God's grace. Elizabeth to Mary is God's grace. Those men to me are God's grace. And I could point to many men in this room over the years that have been a part of that experience. I have that in other groups. You do too. I just want to encourage that. If you don't have community, what are you doing? I'm going to tell you exactly what you're doing. You're doing what we said in the beginning. You've decided you're going to resist that part of what God has for you. And you're going to walk in your own way, ignore the counsel of his word, and you're going to do your own thing. You're going to let all the details get in the way. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's leading to something you don't want. And I'm not here to scare anybody. I'm here to say, when people look at my life, I can't, I'm going to go to work tomorrow. And guys are going to say, man... Good, clean living. This is how it works. All these things that aren't real. They're going to say all these things. And I'm going to be like, it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. And they're going to think it's because I did something right. The favor of God rests on me. And part of it is his Holy Spirit speaking, working, holding me accountable, working in my life to show me, hey, you're at a level 11. Those kind of things. And, and it's just an amazing work that God does. But the, and these men on Tuesday morning hear me say it. The minute I start resisting. The minute I start being like, I don't need that. And guys, I would. I would do that. I'm forgetful the next day. I'm forgetful the next day. Jesus' word, his, his spirit are like manna every morning. They are the nutrients and nurturing that I need every day. And then some of us, we would say even just step by step, moment by moment, I need to know, God, you got this? How many times now is my prayer, God help me? <laughs> Don't seem like a real mature prayer, but the older I get, the more mature it feels. I'm that desperate. Guys, your pastor prayed this this morning on the way to the service. Like, God, without you, I, and that same thing, I'm like a feather in the wind. I don't know at any point. I don't know when I lose it. Guys, that's coming from a man of God. That's coming from somebody who's walking in the spirit. That's somebody who comes here today to talk about the assurance of his word. So what about you who think you can stand alone out there, who think you could do it a different way? Now, all that said, let me say this. You don't have to be on the same schedule as me. That is not what I was saying. And you don't have to get into the groups like we do them here. My point was God's given you community around you, Christian brothers and sisters. Are you leaning into that? Find that avenue and lean into it because it is your life vest. It is, it's important to you. So all that said, Mary is being graced by God all through here. We see, because what did he announce? Favor, favor. Gosh, Marty went way long. Favor. Did you hear that? This is God's kindness towards her. She was a little bit scared when she had this angel show up and be like, hey, favored are you. The God is with you statement, right? And what does it say? She's troubled by this. Greetings, oh favored one. The Lord is with you. Would you be troubled by that this morning? If God showed up at your door, or I'm sorry, an angel showed up at your door and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Ah, uh, I might be. And here's why I think, because it might mean I'm getting ready to go on and meet my maker. And I still got some orders, uh, affairs to get in order. Truthfully. So it's like, oh, shoot, okay. Right. But we're supposed to live like that, ready. I don't know why she's troubled here, but I just thought maybe it's because, what does it mean when God is with you, like his full presence, and an angel stand in front of you? That's a scary moment. She's troubled by it for some reason. But he said she's favored. So here's the other thing about that. You go down throughout that passage there, and it talks about here's how you're favored. 
And somehow she gets to 38, that verse, where she's like, I'm yours. God, I'm all in. Do what you're going to do according to your word. I think it's because she saw the favor of God in all those things. So that's where I want you to know we're starting at right here. Before we ever get to Mary's next 10 verses, these statements about what Mary has to say, she has experienced the favor of the Lord even in this, this angel's announcement to her. And we need to experience the favor of the Lord and how he's announced himself through Jesus. But let's keep going. Here's what she says, because I think the favor is spoken. That brings her peace with God. Peace to walk with him in his cooperation with his will. And then 46 through 56 is joy. So here you go. Stephen, you're preaching next week, Lord willing. Joy. That's what it's about next week. Joy. This is what happens when you experience the peace of God, the favor of God. Rejoicing. Joy. Mary's, Mary's there. And that's what we're going to read. Verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Those statements are huge that Mary just made about her salvation and what God's doing in her. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Here she goes, starting to, starting to spout, overflow with things she's learned since she was a young Jewish girl. She is a young Jewish girl, but since she was little. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has set away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Everything she says is pronouncing, God, you have kept your word. You are keeping your word, and I'm going to look forward and hope in you keeping your word forever. Mary's there. Mary knows. She believes in the prophecies of old. We get lost on this sometimes because we don't realize just how much she would have known of the Old Testament. And those prophecies of old. But that's one of the things we wanted to highlight in the Advent season. Was that each of these people's faith. There's so much assurance of all these things. That we talk about at Advent. These hope and peace and joy and love. These things come from assurance of God's word. And these characters aren't just all of a sudden spoken to. And it's their first encounter with God. They have been living in his covenant they know his word. They've been looking forward to his Messiah. And here, God is keeping his promises, and they're seeing it happen and being fulfilled in real time. And then the last verse says, verse 56, And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. That's a pretty good grace. Get to hang out for three months with Elizabeth. So... There's a lot that happens in these verses. God spoke to me through Mary, spoke to me through this passage and how he works in her. But here was one prevailing thought that came to me. What is peace? Peace means no opposition, no war. It's a lack of conflict. See, because we talk about peace at Christmas, and it sounds like, well, Peace is like when Silver Bells is playing in the background and I've got a nice warm cup of coffee in my hand or whatever, right? From Germania. Um, <laughs> joking here. I just say that because he saw me the other day with a Starbucks cup in my hand and I was like, <laughs> I said, this was actually from days ago. I kept the cup. Uh, but that, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a temporary peace, like a peace that's comfortable. Like, like all of a sudden I'm comfortable. Man, we could, do, we could sit around here and just talk about different things we have that are our ideal of peace. Everybody shows up for the holidays. I mean, I can go through a list of things and it can get pretty R-rated of what we think peace is. But I want to tell you the truth of God's word is peace is when we are in cooperation with his word and he's in cooperation with us. That's peace. That's the peace that the human soul longs for. And it's not contingent on a warm cup of coffee. It's not contingent on anything else. It's simply contingent on, on God's covenant-keeping ability with me. And me walking in that, trusting in that, hoping in that, living in that, 
That's peace. And Mary had that kind of peace because we saw that in 38. She wasn't saying, well, God, I'll do it by these terms. She just said, let it be according to your word. And she experienced the peace of God. Thank God. Mother of Jesus. How great a peace when we align ourselves and submit to the will of God who can do all things. So three things that I wrote that Mary found peace through the assurance of God's word being fulfilled, through the assurance of his, through the assurance of his provision and the family of God around her, through the assurance of the covenant that he has made with his people. And then I want to say that for us. How do you find peace with God? I believe you find peace through God with the same way, through assurance that God's going to fulfill his words. You see, Jesus didn't live, die, and we're just banking on some things that people had to say about Jesus. Jesus said many things full of promise and hope about us for eternal salvation. And Jesus wants us to know that God always fulfills his word. So if Jesus said it, you can count on it. That's supposed to give me peace to cooperate with him now. Because it's not easy all the time, is it? For you? For me? No. And so we're like Mary in those situations where it's like, I need to know that God can fulfill his word. I know that God can keep it. So that assurance gives me peace. The second thing for us is like Mary, the assurance of God's provision in the family of God gives us peace. I've already talked a lot about it, but you've got people around you. Even this morning, the testimony and praises of this experience were a powerful testimony to me of how God's working in other people's lives. And it gives hope to me. It gives peace to me to know that God keeps putting his provision around us every day. He gives us what we need because I am like a feather by myself. But you know, it's like that cord, that strand, people together and how God binds us together for, so we can stand in the storm. And sometimes I've lifted you up. Other times you've lifted me up and other times been something outside of us, but we're just both talking about that one that lifted us up. And God works through all those things and it lifts us, holds us together. And that's not just the bridge. You want to know what's amazing about this? Advent is for all of Christendom. That means around the world right now, people are talking about these same things about Jesus. Christendom's an amazing thing. It's a reminder of God's full provision. You're having trouble here at the bridge, and you're like, I just can't get with the way that guy speaks up there today. Or I know you like Stephen, but you're having trouble with me the once in a while I come up here. There's a church for you. God's put them all around us because he wants you to be engaged with his family. And sometimes personalities get in the way. God help us if that happens here. Let us be repentant and seeking to live in cooperation and a spirit of unity and peace and love towards one another. The last thing is Mary's assurances of the covenant that God had made with her gave her peace. Guys, do you have assurance of the covenant that God has made with you? Or when I was talking about eternal salvation, were you getting a little bit weary? Were you getting a little bit worried? If you were, you don't understand how much Jesus can save you. God has made his covenant. You don't need to understand. You don't need to go to seminary to get this. You just need to read his word. God has made his covenant with every person through Jesus Christ, his son. In just a moment, we're going to take communion. When we take communion, it's a reminder of the covenant that God has made with us. That He said it's because of Jesus' perfect blood, the lamb sacrifice, that Mary would have known through the temple through the Old Testament, through all those things. She knew God. Outside of that, she has no hope for salvation in her sin. Even a child, even a young teenager would know they need God's salvation. And so that's a reminder to us that Jesus' blood gets it done. He keeps his covenant through the blood of Christ, not because of me and anything I could ever do, not because I stood here today and gave a testimony. Those things are all just perks and benefits of what God's doing in our life through his Holy Spirit. The work of salvation is sealed through the blood of Jesus Christ. He's the one who's done it. He's the one who will do it. And he's the one who will finish it. And then the bread that's broken is the body that was shed. And I've already mentioned it, guys. But Mary has been an example to me for so many years. Because I have this picture in my mind that came from uh, an evangelism outreach strategy that I was involved with, young in seminary. And it was a picture of somebody sitting at Jesus' feet on the cross. And you know what? Mary's always been in my mind as a person that was there sitting at the foot of the cross as Jesus hung on it. And I don't believe it's just because she's his mom. This is my opinion. 
But I think any follower of Christ has to understand this. I know that when she stood there, she realized these things are being done for her. This is part of God's work for her. These are the same things she's saying in the Magnificat. Well, she's speaking this praise to God. She's knowing that Jesus is going to be a, a, a vessel of God's mercy to his people. She may not know how it's going to play out, but she recognizes it's going to be the same like it is for her, that, she, that Jesus is going to be in full cooperation as a human with what God's Spirit is doing to him as the divine Son of God. So Mary has inspired me because when I look at the cross, I can see that it was my sin that put Jesus there. So I would ask you this today. When you take communion, we always talk about examining ourselves. Don't come and take communion if you can't see that it was your sin that put Jesus on the cross. Because that's not, that's missing the point of the communion. There's no means of grace in the sense that you come forward and all of a sudden that saves you. It's a confession that I believe what Jesus did saves me. And so as you come forward, you come seeking to be reminded that it's because of what Jesus has done that I have been saved, that I can call God my Savior. That's the examination you and I should do this morning. Now, there's other reasons to keep your seat, and no one should look around and be like, well, they're not sitting there. Are they Christian? I don't know. Nobody's looking at you. I told you there's been times I've had to keep my seat, so if you feel like you're not supposed to take communion today, you don't take communion or you got a reason, don't feel like people are judging you. Keep your seat, and there's nothing wrong with that, and everybody else walk past, move on. But for those of you who are able to take this, examine your heart. And ask yourself, do I trust that the only way I can be saved to have peace with God forever is through Jesus Christ, death, sacrifice, resurrection, and ascension into heaven? If you believe those things, that Jesus is the only way, that's what this communion table is for this morning. And in some way, for those of us who get the privilege of walking forward, we are a walking testimony of what God is doing in our lives. And guys, it's not a seal of perfection. I take this communion, go back to my seat, and I'm still walking in the flesh. I'm still walking in this life, and I'm living by Galatians 5. I'm seeking to be in his spirit. I'm asking God to hold me close, and he wants you to have that same experience. But guys, we, like Mary, are human beings. We feel a lot of things, but you know what God understands? We need to remember. We need to remember, and we need to remember. So we can't take this enough because it's a reminder that only God can do it through Jesus Christ, his son. And he has done it. Will you claim it? Will you believe it? He invites you to receive that peace with God today with him. And one other thing before we take communion. These are in the rows. But I talked about the body of Christ and the importance that God has in our lives. Working through the body of Christ. I don't know what God's calling you to today. But I do know that he calls every Christian to do things in the kingdom, in Christendom. He calls us each to various tasks and assignments. It's not always fun. It's not always the thing we like. But he calls us. And the question is, do you want to miss out on the miracle of how God's going to work through you? How God's going to work in you and through you? So show up. We have these cards that talk about different ways you can respond. Some of you need for the first time to just trust that Jesus is the way to be saved and have peace with God forever. You can fill out these cards. You put your name, contact information, pastors, somebody reach out to you. We, we would look forward to hearing from you. You can also come up, talk to us. Uh, those that you recognize with the bridge, you see somebody that's regular here, you can talk to them. They'll get you to people that can talk to you about these things for sure. And uh, just know that these cards are one way that you can start to get a response from us. And you can put these in the offering basket in the back or come up and hand it to me at the end. But I want to let you know there's other things that God might be calling you to. That's between you and the Lord. And you have to pray and ask God, what is it that you have for me? And I wrote this quote. And I thought, man, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about this week. And I didn't. But it's because sometimes it's hard as Christians to figure out what is it that God wants me to do. Because we get so focused on thinking that preaching, singing, greeting, whatever these things are that are on a Sunday morning is all that God is doing. And I'm going to tell you, most of the stuff that God is doing, although this is huge, this is, this is miraculous, this is amazing. I thank God for this. This is the grace of God for me and for my family. But most of the stuff that God is doing is outside those doors. 
It's in your community. It's in your world. And Eddie's prayer was beautiful because it said, help us be doers of your word. We have that reminder as we walk out of here on the, etched on the back of this sanctuary. So I want to encourage you to recognize that your job, your job is the relentless pursuit of who God has called you to be. Not who I call you to be or Pastor Stephen or anyone else. Although we're here to say, hey, I see this in you, you know, I really appreciate this, right? We call things out of each other. But you need to be praying and saying, God, what is that thing you have for me? And I was talking to a young man this week about things to do. I was talking to more than one young man this week about things they're choosing to do in life and how that works. And I was thinking the other day about that, like how sometimes it's not even what we're called to do by God. It may not be the profession we get to do. It's the profession that supports us being able to do what we feel called to do. I do that with the fire department. I don't feel like my identity is wrapped up in the fire department, but it's something that allows me to be able to do this. And so I want to encourage you, what is that thing that God has for you that's going to free you uh, or or that's going to allow you to pursue his will in your life? And guys, don't get all churchy about it. I'm trying to say that again and again. Don't get churchy about it because some of you are going to reach a friend that I'll never get to talk to. Some of you are going to be at an experience that I'll never be at. And you'll, God's, through his Holy Spirit, is going to work miracles in those situations. Each one of us in Christ are missionaries to the world. What is it that God's calling you to do and to be? And, and it's not just for a young person in our church. This is for all of us to hear. Because at different seasons of our life, we have it, our, our testimonies, right? They evolve. They change. They move forward. I have so many more experiences that I can connect with and share with at this stage of my life that don't really resonate like they did when I was 20 years old with somebody who's 20 years old. And I need to be aware of that, and I also need to be open to talk about those things. Same with you. You're in a season of life where God is putting people around you and wants you. He's got a, he's got a purpose and design for you for such a time as this. What is that thing? Ask God, and he will give you wisdom. He will help you to know. I've seen this over and over this week. When I prayed and said, God, I need this, he gave it. And I didn't pray for, I need a drone. I need a, I didn't go through Christmas list stuff. (laughs) You know what, I I didn't, God, I need a pair of jeans. I didn't do that. that. That's silly, isn't it? Because what does God answer when we pray for it? The heart of the Father. It was when I'm praying the heart of the Father. It's his will, not mine. So it's usually something like, I, I need your help to do this thing that I feel like you've called me to helps me, empowers me, allows me to do it. And then I get to enjoy. I prayed that sometimes. God, help me to enjoy this because I don't feel like doing this. Help me to enjoy this thing. And then God helps me to enjoy that moment that would have been something else if I hadn't prayed that. I prayed for wisdom. Guys, you ever had that where somebody's asked you a question and right then I'm like, God, I need your wisdom, but I'm not saying it out loud. Or they'd be like, he don't know what he's going to say. Oh, God, give me wisdom. Help me to know how to pray for this person. And he gives it. He gives it. Do you know the access that you have to the heart of God through the Holy Spirit of God? What a gift. Your job is a relentless pursuit of who God has called you to be. Ask him for what you need and he will give it to you. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite you guys to respond through communion this morning. Father, thank you for uh, the ways that you speak to us through your word today. You say a lot through your word, and you strike different notes with each one of us. Father, I feel like you struck every note with me this week. I pray that for my family, that they would be in tune with you and your will. Even in this moment as we take communion, that we wouldn't do this only out of religious observance. Not out of religious observance, Lord, but because... We want to know you more. And you reveal yourself through these things that you've given to us as observances, like communion. So, Father, as we take communion today, may you speak to each heart that's engaged in this. Even for those who need to remain seated for whatever reason, God, speak to their hearts and let them experience in your speak, your word over them. And, God, may we be like Mary in this moment with our eyes fixed on your son, Jesus. What an example. What a lady. You work through her 
of humble estate. And I think you want to show how you can work through us in whatever estate we might be. So God, remind us today through Jesus that you make small things matter. That you make whatever purpose we serve matter. That in your kingdom and in Christendom, each person matters. And God, I pray today that we would walk in peace with you as we see your son and recognize the covenant that you've made with us through Jesus, your son. May every heart in this place believe that Jesus is the one true son of the most high, whose name is greater than any other. And may they worship you now. It's in his name we pray, Yeshua. Amen. I invite those who are serving communion to come up with me now. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, we're told that he took the cup. First, he took the bread. And when he took the bread, he gave thanks and he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also, he took the cup. And when he took the cup, he gave thanks and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm going to invite you guys to come forward this morning and uh, sharing this with us.
For unto us a son is given, for unto us a child is born, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Would you stand and worship with us, please?
So Advent is a time of rejoicing. It's a time to remember his hope, his peace, his joy, and his love. And it's appropriate when we take communion to be in a hurry to get up here. It's important to celebrate these things that God is doing in our lives. And this morning I uh, felt called in the benediction to to just read uh, a version of the Lord's Prayer. So if you start to say it with me, don't get don't get mad that I get off a little bit. But I just wrote the words that were on my heart this morning after praying over these things. God's, God's favor is real. Next week we talk about shepherds and the announcement of angels that peace on earth, goodwill towards men on whom his favor rests. That's been on my mind all week for this, that the favor of God is his goodwill towards us. And if it rests on you through Jesus Christ, you have reason to rejoice today. Don't hold that in. Let the world hear it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And may we find peace with you through our Savior and signal Jesus Christ, your holy son. Amen. Go in peace.